He's coming to get us his church, his bride, his children. He's coming to bring us to be with him. Now, we don't know when he's coming, but we know he's coming. And until he comes, we're to be faithful in fulfilling his call. Fulfilling his call to make disciples and to use what he's provided us to be part of that process. So for the first sort of half of our message this morning, I'm going to invite Steve Dobson to come up here and join me. Um, Because what we want to do as part of our worship service today is kind of update you guys on where we're at right now with proceeding on our property next door because it very much relates to us as a church and our future and our involvement in what God is doing. So Steve, you better grab a microphone. Now Steve usually sings. So are you going to sing everything that you say today, Steve? Is that the plan? I think we would enjoy that. Sure. Sure, he says. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know this, um, Steve is part of our assessment team. That is a, a group of people that we've called together who are working together to help us develop a master plan for the property. And let me just tell you where we're headed with all of this. See, God placed us here in this community almost 10 years ago to be used of him to plant the church here that would reach the Spring Mills community. And God has done some pretty neat things over the years. He's brought you here, and we're thankful for that. And the Lord is continuing to grow his body and to mature people. And we started out 10 years ago meeting at Spring Mills Middle School. And let me tell you, the future looked bright. We were given permission to be here. What a blessing that was. And did you know one year later, the principal let us know that there had been a change in the policy. And the policy was that They didn't want groups to, their term was set up shop in schools. And so they told me that the new policy was that no group could stay in a school for longer than three months at a time. So every three months we have to go seek permission to be here again. Now that's been almost 10 years, praise the Lord. God has opened up that door over and over and over again. But as one of the leaders, we recognize, okay, this is a great opportunity, but it's not permanent. This isn't permanent. This is temporary. So we started praying. And opportunities came and opportunities went. But some of you know the story. You were here. God opened up a great door for us in a, in a remarkable way to buy 21 acres right here, right next door to the Spring Mills property. But we needed a plan. So we called together from the body of believers and said, help us. And Steve stepped up and was willing to be the chairman of our assessment team. It's not exactly how I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Steve. Walk us through the process a little bit. Well, I I tell you, I've just been encouraged already this morning with with the scripture Brock read, unless the Lord builds the house. Mm. And the the first song we sang, All of Creation... All unplanned, just God working it out. to see what you're going to do. We're just yeah. so excited to see what you're going to do. And, and my biggest fear stand up to here this morning is that you're not going to leave as excited as I am. Um, same way when I lead worship. Mm-hmm. I just want people to be excited. But God's going to do great things here um, in this community. And, and we have a, a huge opportunity in front of us. So if we could go on to the next slide. I just want to give a little bit of a recap of... The whole process. I think we've talked about this before. I'm going to go through some of this quickly. So what, we're, we, what we just completed was the assess phase. And um, I kind of call that the get ourselves together phase because that's where we do a lot of internal seeking, 
clarifying our vision, um, what determining the needs of the community, the needs of our church, and then evaluating the resources that we have available. Um, the next phase we're going to be going into is the design phase. This is where we'll actually be designing a physical structure based on all of those um, Previous, the previous work we've done, we're going to build on that. We'll formalize our vision. We'll develop a more comprehensive plan for the building and a detailed budget, um, which, you know, including the de- determining the need for a capital campaign, a financing, how we're going to pay for what God wants to do here. And, of course, the final phase is the, is the fun phase. It might not be fun when we get there, but that's when we'll actually <laughs> see dirt start moving and buildings start going up. Um, so let's go on. I'm going through some of these first ones kind of quick because I want to get to the fun stuff. So um, just as a recap of how we got here, November 2015, we, we closed on the piece of land over here, 20 acres. We originally sought to get 13. God opened up doors that allowed us to get um, the, full, the full piece of property. May of last year, we retained services of the Trinity Group to guide us through this process. I think most of you, if you were here then, you were aware of that. Um, they have been inv- an invaluable resource. They've built hundreds of churches. We're going to build one. So it, it has helped a lot. July, middle of last summer, we started this assessment phase. In August, we, uh, of course, everybody remembers the sewer and water was installed. Doesn't sound like much, but that was a big deal. It's hard exactly. to get excited about water and sewer, but if you don't have it, you really hurt. Yeah, yeah something, something as, as simple as water and sewer, line, it, it's one line on that chart. But I think um, Ron could probably testify it's a lot more hours than one it line. It was the answers to prayer. It really was. <laughs> and, um, it, I mean, it's, it ended up going in for a third of the cost. We, of I think we, we probably saved about $100,000 through that process easy. for water and sewer. Yeah. And then, of course, in December of, this, of last year, we, we completed this first phase, and um, now that's why we're sharing with you. So if you go on to the next slide, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of the people you see listed here. They gave their, of their time. They gave uh, time for meetings, time to go visit other churches. We've, we've done a little bit of everything, meetings outside of our regular meetings to, to in specific groups of needs or resources or, or vision. But if you see these people after church, please thank them. I, I, I mean, I'm the one standing up here, but I'm not the one that did the work, I can tell you. Um, great group of people and always kept our vision at the forefront of pointing others to Jesus Christ and his word. And we had some great open and sometimes very honest discussions about the direction of our church and and this facility. So as we walk through these next couple of slides, I want you to keep in mind that a building is nothing but a ministry tool. It's not the church. We are the church. And we're going to spread God's word in this community, whether we have a $30 million facility or we meet in a tent. That's right. So That's right. Um, just keep that all in mind as we go through. So I wanted to kind of summarize the, what we have spent to date. I mean, the, this church has been very generous with their resources. And, um, of course, the, the biggest cost so far has been the land. Um, as you see, um, we put, put $50,000 down as a down payment. Uh, we financed the other 150000 We paid 200000 total for the land. 
of which we only have about 43,000 left on in the financing uh, of that land, which, which praise God, I mean, the generosity of this church. Um, we have spent a little bit of money on engineering, not a whole lot, um, and uh, of course, some, finance, some money went to the Trinity Group to help guide us through this process. Um, so the, with all of that, this is the current, um, what do we call this? Master the plan. Master plan of the property. It's easy There's going to be a right? test on this, so you yeah. better, better watch it really close. <laughs> so this is the long-term vision as it stands right now. Um, we're going to zoom in in just a minute. Right. Yeah, we'll zoom in in a minute. But you can see there's, there's recreation areas over here to the right. Um, the, the main part of the building is, is going to be on the hill, of course. That helps minimize the cost of the stormwater management, all of those things. Um, and and we are, our goal is not to build this all at one time. So that's, that's a given. And, Steve, more recreation area down here, fields and so forth, will, will be down here for opportunities to reach into the community. Right, right. And so um, this, this plan, we feel, gives us the most efficient use of the property and is the most efficient layout of the property to minimize costs down the road. Um, but this is just kind of a 10,000-foot view, so it's not, this, this isn't yet set in stone this is just where we are right now. And the reason we do this is we're beginning with the end in mind. We want to know where we're going so that every step along the way uh, builds towards that final plan. And, and the other thing is this helps us. We get a preliminary plat with the, with the county commission, uh, the planning commission. You know, we only would have to do this part one time. And then if we, as long as we're not deviating from our original plan, that saves us time as the di- additional phases come along. So, what would this cost? That whole piece right there. Are you sitting down? <laughs> you need to sit down. Go well, ahead. it's not the whole piece. Oh, it's... Okay. The, the, I'm, I'm well, we're going to go on to, the, to yeah. the zoomed in. So, let's look at the zoomed in picture of just the building. So, the way that they do these things is they'll, they'll break them up into phases, as you can see here. Okay? This would be phase one, phase two, phase three... Phase four, phase five, phase six. That's in 2,347 that they'd be finished. No, that's a joke. Um, but so we break this down into smaller chunks that we can attack in pieces. Right. So in looking at this picture, in completing phases one, two, and three, which are right here in the front, would give us a ministry tool that is comparable to what we have now. I think we use something like 16 We use 16 classrooms, classrooms yes. We use this auditorium and, and you know, for, for meals, for worship, and um, that is still how we've design, worked on as a design for this, that everything is pretty much multi-purpose. But those three sections, uh, which totals about 16,000 square feet, is what would give us similar capabilities to what we're doing now. So now, what would that cost? There we go. So as you can see, that's a big chunk of money, $3 million. Um, One of the largest costs in developing a piece of property is the actual site work to be done. And that is one number that we've actually talked to some excavators and contractors in the area who are familiar with the property, have looked at plans, and that's not 
a set in stone number, but it's going to be in that range of $600,000. That most of that only has to be spent once. As we go forward in the different phases, those, the site work will be less, of course. We don't have to build new parking lots every time. We may have to add on, but you don't have to completely redevelop the property. And as you see at the top, our, our cost to date, that's what we've reviewed already, $220,000. And then the building cost is just an estimate for now. I mean, there's so many different ways you can build a building. You can do a steel building, a brick building, um, roofing, uh, just so many different ways that we can save money there or, or, or add to it, depending on, on which direction we go. Um, so let's move on. So back to this. So another option um, would be just to do phase one, which basically what that gives us is a worship center and a gathering space and, and a nursery. That, you know, and that's 7,500 square feet. We would have a 300-seat worship area. Um, that's not ideal, So, and it would not be enough space. So we would have to supplement that with modular units. Um, people have done some great things with modular units. If you've ever been to Fellowship Bible Church in Shandell Junction, we visited there. They've done some amazing things with their modulars. They, I think, believe got most of theirs free from the, from the county school board. Um, but that is an option if, if we decide to go with phase one only. Um, so what, what's the cost of this? Good question, Let's Steve. Let's move on. Slide, next slide. So that is substantially lower. It's not half the cost, even though we're doing about half the size of the building, because we still have that big chunk of site work that would need to be done. This would give us roughly 100 to 125 parking spaces, um, which we've done counts here. Uh, that would probably be adequate in the beginning. Um, and again, about a million dollars to build a building, to build that one 7,500 square foot building. Um, there are ways we can save along the way, um, but right now, this is what we're using for estimating. All this will be fine-tuned and clarified in our next phase, which is beginning in a week and a half. So um, uh, I know we all would appreciate your prayers. Um, pray that we continue to follow God's leading, not our, and not lean on our own our own, because if, if we did that, we probably would never would have approached the owner about that piece of property that wasn't right. even for sale. That's right. And we have all seen what God can do when we um, allow him to use us. Um, I, again, I, I don't think I've ever been more thankful <laughs> to be part of a church than I am right now to be part of this church. I was hoping I wasn't going to get real emotional up here, but I don't think I can help it. But again, like I said before, God is going to do great things. I want to be part of that. I hope you want to be part of that. I hope you can get as excited as the people on this team are because, I mean, there's never been a time when I asked, hey, can you do this? And somebody said, I don't have the time. I mean, they step up. They give of their time. They're willing Everybody's excited about this. I know it's a lot to digest in a short period of time. I'll be around after the service if you have more questions or, or if you just send an email to the church. I'm sure they'll forward it to me. Um, 
we want to be open. We want to be upfront about where we are and what we're doing. And again, just pray for God's leading in this process. So. Amen. I just want to thank Steve for your ministry. And um, it has been a real privilege to, to work with these men and women who have worked. And we need to continue to pray for wisdom. I'm asking you to pray for wisdom for our leadership. Listen, folks, this is not a cliche. I'm not just saying this. We need wisdom. Because there are big decisions ahead for us as a church. You've just seen, honestly, the tip of the iceberg of the number of decisions that we are working through and seeking the wisdom of God on. And if you aren't praying for us, honestly, I'm ready to resign. How about you? Because we can't do this on our own. We are a church body. And for right now, God has called Steve to lead in this role, and he's called me to lead in this role. But listen, this is our body, the body of Christ. And you have a very significant role to invest with your prayer, to invest with your life, to join in God's mission. Let's pray together now. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your direction. Now, God, use your word. As we open it up, as we seek you, I pray you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about your marriage now. How do you like that? Let's talk about your marriage. Whether you're married or not, I want to talk about your marriage. Today, I want to start a series and really get into your business and talk about your home and your family. I want to talk about your relationship you have with your wife, guys. I want to talk to you about how you are to be a leader in your home. Ladies in the room who are married, I want to talk to you about how you interact with your husband and how you are to follow his leadership and what God means by that and how you are uniquely placed in your home to empower that husband of yours to be the man that God wants him to be. I want to talk to those people in the room that aren't married. You're seeking a spouse potentially. Or maybe you're trying to get over a broken marriage. Whatever the case may be, I want you to remember this. It matters who you marry. It matters who you marry. Apart from your relationship to Father Lord Jesus Christ, there's probably nothing more significant in your life than who it is that you marry. It's very important that you look to God on finding truth about how marriage is to work. Because the world is filled with all kinds of myths about marriage. You know, I like myths. They're kind of fun to talk about and, and fi- kind of fun to realize that they're false. Like, for instance, did you know it's not true? It's not true that gum sits in your stomach for seven years. It's not true. Did you know it's not true that carrots improve your eyesight? That's not true. Sorry, kids are in the room. It's just not true. Do you know why? You know where that came from? The British were trying to hide the fact that they had developed radar. So they put out this rumor, this myth, for the Germans to hear, sorry, Brock, that carrots improved your eyesight. And everybody knew the British ate a lot of carrots, so the Germans thought, well, that's how they see us coming. That's a true story. And it became a myth that carrots improve your eyesight. Listen, there are myths about marriage. And I want to encourage you with some truth today. 
These five facts about marriage, they aren't original with me. Shawnee Feldman wrote this book. It's been about five or six years ago. She's a researcher, Harvard-trained, don't hold that against her, Harvard-trained researcher, and found this truth, these truths about marriage. Number one, the actual divorce rate has never gotten to 50%. That's a myth. In reality, it's about 25%, the best we can figure. It's really an impossible thing to determine. It's never been 50%. Here's where that comes from. Let me show you how much of a lie that is. Take all the marriages in 2017 and take all the divorces in 2017. And a lot of times, this number is half that one. Now think, statistically, is this all the marriages that are going on right now that were married in 2017? No. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a myth. Why? Why? Honestly, I think a lot of it is for marketing. Because you'll buy a book because you're afraid your marriage will struggle. Okay. Those who attend church regularly have a significantly lower divorce rate than those who don't. Don't believe any other... Sean is, goes to great effort to demonstrate this. Most marriages are happy. Now, they're not great, but there's nothing wrong with a good marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't great, but a good marriage is good too. And simple changes make a huge difference in your marriage. One of the things she points out is that over 70% of those who were asked about the state of their marriage, one year later, over 70% of them said their marriage was now better. What's that tell us? Stick with it. Gotta work. And most remarriages succeed. What about this whole 85% of second marriages end in divorce? Where's that come from? This Harvard researcher didn't find that. I want to throw up five books that I want to recommend to you about marriage. i got to go quick today. The first one is the Bible. The Bible. And that's where we're going to go today and for the next couple of weeks. I just threw a couple more. I put, the, I put the, the information on your worship notes. A lot of what you're going to hear me say about marriage, honestly, has come from those five books and 28 years of marriage. As I've seen what God has laid out, and searched out good, biblically qualified, spirit-filled authors. I want to share with you some thoughts about marriage. Open up your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 5. This is a great passage on marriage, but quite honestly, it's not really about marriage. How do you like that? Ephesians 5 is God's picture book, but it's really not about marriage. Quite honestly, it's about the Spirit of God controlling you. That's what it's about. It's about living under the control of God's Spirit. And so what the Spirit of God does is he drives us to probably the most intimate relationship in your whole life, if you're married. And that is the relationship we have with your spouse. And trying to help us understand that we see the Spirit of God controlling us or not, when we look in our marriage. You know what a picture book is, right? I love to read to little children. I, I, I regret that my children, there's one reason why I might regret why my children are all now older and teenagers. It's great having teenagers. But when they were little, I could go in and read in their classrooms. And I love doing that. 
a read aloud person. That's awesome. And reading picture books was so cool. Remember those great big books that your teacher held? They really weren't this big. You were just tiny, okay? But they were about this big, and they would open up those beautiful, colorful pictures. That's what your marriage is, folks. Your marriage is meant to be a picture book of God's work. With all of its struggle, with all of its ugly parts, with the turmoil and the pain, and with all the joys and the pleasure and the fun times and the the times of great joy and excitement, all wraps together to be this picture for Christ to be on display. Listen, if there's anything we can see from our culture today, it's this. That their ideas, the world system ideas about what makes relationships work, doesn't work. It doesn't work. We can see man's effort by just looking around at all around us and we can see. We can't do this on our own. We need God. So in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to dive into what God's plan is for marriage. And the thing I want us to see today is that this is a picture. This is a picture of our relationship with the Lord. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. Listen to the word of God. I'm not going to take the time to read all the way to 33 right now, but we're going to talk about each of these verses. Wives, it says, in verse number 22, wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of this church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. The thing I want us to see here as as an introduction to this passage is how much the relationship in your home between husband and wife is reflecting our relationship with Christ. That's why it is that in verse number 32, Paul writes, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it, your marriage, refers to Christ and the church. The Bible says that your marriage is a mystery, Now, that doesn't mean, I cannot figure out this woman. It's just crazy in my house. That's not what it means. Or this man. A mystery, when the Bible says mystery, here's what it means. It means that there is a hidden meaning to it that is now available to be known. There is a hidden meaning to your marriage that is now available to be known. So your marriage, your relationship with your spouse has hidden meaning that after today, you can see what it is meant to be. First of all, it is this. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. A personal, 
relationship. Notice throughout this passage, there are personal relationship words over and over and over. Wives to your own husbands. Husbands to your own wife. Over and over and over, we have this this intimate, close relationship between a husband and wife. Men, you are called to lead in your home. But you are called to lead your wife. And married women in the room, you are called to follow the leadership of your husband. Not her, not her husband, not hers, but yours. There is an intimate, special relationship that God has given to us. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. God sees Adam and says, it is not good that he be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And God brought together this man and this woman. It is a personal relationship that calls for dependence. Fix that letter. Calls for dependence. See this in this passage. Look at this with me. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so I submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church, washing, presenting, so forth. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Folks, there is a dependence that is meant in our marriage. Husbands, you need to know this passage is primarily written to you. The word submit gets a lot of mileage. But quite honestly, this passage is meant primarily for husbands. And you are called here to nourish and cherish. This word means, and we'll talk about this in detail, but it means to feed and to protect. It is a mother bird in her nest feeding her young, protecting them with her life and with her body. Men, that's what you're called to do. See, this is a relationship of dependence. You're called to provide that for your wife because she is dependent upon it. That's what this passage is saying. Now, ladies, you're not off the hook because he needs you. He needs you. Can I tell you something? The hardest thing I've ever done in my life, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life now, let me tell you, I've done basic training. I've done math problems that'll blow your mind away. But the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is lead. Is lead. Because it's scary. And it's hard. And I know when I lead that if I mess up and if I make the wrong decision, there'll be a whole host of people who will say, We knew you shouldn't have done that. We could have told you that. But if everything goes well, all those people are going to say, oh, we all made the right decision, didn't we? 
The hardest thing I've ever done in my life is lead. And the most important person in my life to help me lead is my wife. This is a relationship of dependence. And I want to tell you about a very important day in my life to illustrate this. I felt like God was calling me to lead in the starting of Centerpoint Bible Church. And I was scared out of my mind. Because I was leaving a great job, making a lot of money, in a great position, with a lot of stability. And I felt like God was saying, hey, give all that up. And I was scared. Because it's hard to lead. And there was one person that could speak in my life that day. That time. And here's what she said. I don't know what's going to happen if we do this. But I know that God has called you to this. So you have to do it. I went from this (laughs) to this. Yes. It's a relationship of dependence. And ladies, you can tear him down and you can strip away every backbone he's ever going to have with your words. It's a relationship of dependence. Submission is not a weak word. Helper is not a weak word. We are all called to submit. God is called the helper. You come alongside and you fill him with energy. This is a relationship of dependence. He needs you to fill him with this strength. She needs you to lead her in strength. That's what the passage is showing us. Just like God. See, this is a picture. It's me and Jesus. It's me and him. And I follow him. And I say, I have confidence in you. I know that you will provide for me. I know that you will care for me. You will protect. You will provide. You will nourish. You will cherish. I am your bride. Lead me. That's me talking to Jesus, by the way. See, that's what this is. It's a picture book of what we have with Jesus. And it goes on. It goes on. It also now moves on to provision. It goes on to provision and power that is there. Look at this provision that that the husbands are called to provide. It says that the husband is to sanctify his wife. That means have this godly influence on her, having cleansing her by the washing of the word in verse 28 and presenting her as holy. Where is that coming from? That's what Jesus does in our life. See, it's a picture. You are a living, breathing illustration of what Jesus wants to do in all the world. You and I are in our marriage. You're not just stuck with this man. You didn't just happen to fall in love with this guy one day and say, now you're married. That's not it. If you're a believer, God has a plan. And it's one of provision where he's providing for your needs. And it's one of power. Now, here's what I mean. Not power of him over her or her over him. It's God over us. That's the power for your marriage. If you're outside of Christ, if you're outside of living in obedience to Jesus, I can offer your marriage no hope. You say, Pastor Lowe, I need to meet with somebody. My marriage is in trouble. I say, okay, you and your spouse meet with me. Well, she's not willing. 
She's not willing. She's not willing to meet. She's just not willing. Here's my hard words to you at that point. I'm sorry, I can offer you no hope. The power in our marriage comes from Christ working in us. You are two sinners living in one home. You will peck each other's eyes out outside of Christ. See it in the passage, by the way. This isn't just me. Look at chapter 5, verse number 18. And do not get drunk with wine. That's odd, right? Well, it's there. Okay, this isn't too random. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, the Spirit of God tells us all these things that will happen in our life when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll worship. We'll be filled with God's Word. And our marriages will be reflective of God. The power that is there is Christ. And he comes, Christ does, and presents us, verse 27, the husband is called here to present his wife, and the, Christ is presenting the church in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. See, what that power of Christ does is produces for him one that brings him glory. That's what God wants to do with your marriage, folks. God wants to take your marriage with all of its warts and bumps and bruises and the past and all that stuff, okay? Everything that it is. With all the good and the bad, you bring in every bit of your baggage with you. And God wants to take your marriage He wants to use his spirit and use what happened at the cross to present you without spot, without blemish, holy to himself. See, this is a picture book of what God has done. And where God is driving us is back to the cross. And that's where I want you to go right now. Just a little snippet about marriage, just a little bit of a, you know, just a little piece for you to think about. But I want you to realize that I don't care what kind of state your marriage is in. You might have been discussing divorce this morning. You might have been having that conversation this morning. I want you to know that the Spirit of God can heal your marriage. It is not too late to heal your marriage. Just like it's not too late to save a person's soul. If it's too late for your marriage, then it must be too late for somebody's soul. You have to understand, it is the will of God that your marriage glorify him. You have God on your side. So will you look to the cross where you find forgiveness. See, that's where we find forgiveness. That's where we go. It's the only place. And so that's why it's very fitting for us as we just talk about marriage a little bit to celebrate communion. Why? 
Because communion, this, this bread and this juice, it pictures the cross, which pictures for us a new start, a brand new start. Whatever the state of your marriage is, this is a new day. And the first thing for you to do is to make you and God right. And that's the same thing you're encouraged to do before you receive communion. See, the Bible says this, that before we come and celebrate the Lord's table, we're to evaluate ourselves. We're to go to the Lord and seek him out and say, God, is there anything right now in my life that I need to confess to you sin? And where I want you to go today is your marriage. As the team comes up here to lead us in some songs, lead us in a song, I want to lead you in prayer. And I want you to be honest with God about your marriage and your words and your attitude and how you're interacting and treating one another. Let's talk to God. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, and in your grace, you've, you've allowed us to hear one more time that your mercies are new. You've allowed us to hear one more time that you're willing to forgive us, Lord, and that you're able to empower us. So, Lord, I pray for the husbands and the wives in the room, first of all. Lord, may they confess to you where they've failed. Seek your forgiveness. Lord, for the unmarried in the room, I pray that you would guard their hearts, guard their minds in Christ Jesus. Let us confess to you anything, Lord, that's wrong. Lord, we come to you needing your forgiveness. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.